You're listening to a podcast of the Sunday morning message from Grace Christian Church in the city of Cork on the beautiful south coast of Ireland. We hope and pray that it will be a blessing to you. Thank you, brothers. Thank you, sisters. Jesus went into the home of Simon the Pharisee, and Simon knew all the letter of the law, but he never even welcomed Jesus. I don't want to go into a church that's cold and unwelcoming. If Jesus is in the house, he welcomes you warmly, even lavishly. So that's why it's good to welcome one another as we come and gather before the Lord. So I'm afraid I'm doing a double act today with Michael away. I'm up speaking as well. And I want to look at a topic that many of you may have heard of. Uh, I'm going to look at what it means to have blind faith. So welcome to Cafe Church. You're watching on the live stream downstairs. Good to have you with us also. So I'm going to look at a thing called blind faith because Everybody here is on a journey. Would you agree with that? And given that we're in a church, I'm talking about your spiritual journey. Even if you don't know what you believe here this morning, you're on a journey. You wouldn't have come into a place like this unless there was something spiritual going on in your soul. Thing is, is that on our journey, we often hit times of wilderness or desert And to be honest with you, the three months of um, May, June, and July, when we had no water, we had no rain in Ireland. Hallelujah. And and the government said you can't use your hose pipe to water the grass or anything like that. It reminded me of what it must be like if you're living in a place where there's no rain and there's a drought. So we had a drought in Ireland, which is very unusual. Um, It's stopped now. Uh, as we all know, but it's back to normal. But spiritually, you and I can be in a drought. And here's the thing. If you or I are in a wilderness, in a drought, in a desert, we actually can't trust our natural sight. If you're in a physical desert, all you might see is big sand dunes of dead sand. And you mightn't realize that there's water in an oasis just around the corner but your physical eyes aren't telling you that. Or worse again, you're going through a wilderness and your eyes trick you. There's a word called mirage. If English isn't your first language, mirage mirage is where your eyes trick you or play games with you and you think you see water, but it's just um, the atmosphere and your eyes playing tricks. So you can't really trust your logic, your physical eyes, or anything like that when you're in a wilderness. And that's the time you and I need blind faith. We walk by faith and not by? By sight. And this is an important fundamental in the normal Christian life. So if we want to live as Christians following our Savior, we have to, at times, walk by faith and not by sight. In other words, have blind faith. So I'm going to be looking at Exodus 15, five verses there. But before I do, I pray. I ask you, Holy Spirit, that your word would come alive and nourish and feed our souls today. We need you, Jesus, and we need your word. Whatever is of me, let it be forgotten. Whatever is from you, let it impact our hearts and souls in Jesus' name. Amen. 
Exodus 15, I'm going to put up the words in just a moment, but the context of this is that the people of God back then were called the Israelites. They had been slaves in Egypt. Many of you will know it, but it might be new for some. And so God miraculously delivered them out of slavery. Hallelujah. He's the God who sets the slaves free. Would anyone say amen? Now, I know we've got modern-day slavery, and sometimes you hear of it even in Ireland, where people are smuggled in as slaves. But slavery can be an addiction. Slavery can be a toxic relationship. Slavery can be believing something that's really twisted and wrong, and yet we adhere to it. So just in case we're feeling that I'm never a slave, we can all be slaves to sin. And I want us to think about our walk as we read these verses in Exodus 15. God um, stopped the Egyptians from chasing them. They came across the Red Sea. And you know what happened after they came across the Red Sea? They had a party. They had a big celebration. Miriam led the women with the tambourines and they danced before the Lord. And there was a great celebration because now they were free. Once they were slaves, now they were free. Once they were lost, now they were found, as it were. And they had a big party and a big celebration. And then, and this is what we're going to look at, they start the journey and they hit a wilderness. Sometimes just like you and me. So here we see it. In Exodus 15, after the great victory over the Egyptians, Moses led the Israelites through the desert without finding any water. And then they came to Marah, but they couldn't drink that water because it was bitter. So Moses cried out to the Lord, and then the water became sweet. These are highlighted verses. There the Lord said to the people, Follow me and keep my ways. And then none of the diseases that came upon the Egyptians will come upon you because I am the Lord who heals you. And then they traveled on and came to a place called Elam where there were 12 springs of water and 70 palm trees And so they rested there, and they were refreshed by or next to the water. Now, last Sunday, I was speaking about being up all night, and we looked at having a godly rhythm in our lives. And we saw that the Old Testament Christians would read Psalm 91 every night out loud. Remember, silent reading didn't come in until the Middle Ages. And before that, you never read only out loud. And so we just put it out there, if anyone was willing, all last week to read Psalm 91 out loud. Does anyone do it? Anyone here? Ah, fair, fair, fair boast, G. How did you find it? Did it encourage you? Yeah, the answer is yes, okay. Yeah. Why, why did we get you to do that? It, it was simply so that we could try and have an understanding that even practically, There is a rhythm in our lives. And that was a a nightly rhythm that they did in the Old Testament. And some Orthodox Jews still do it today. What I'm going to look at today from here is another part of our rhythm. 
And this part of our rhythm is about what do we do in a wilderness or a testing situation? What is the normal Christian response to this? Well, let's just unpack it. We're told that after the great victory, they went through the desert without finding any water. Isn't that often the case? That you have a great breakthrough in your life. Suddenly, your marriage is working again. Or suddenly... She or he falls in love with you, or you get the job you've been praying for, or you finally get the mortgage or the apartment to rent that you really wanted, etc., etc. And after the high of that, you kind of hit a low, and you hit a wilderness. It so often happens. And these guys had had a big party, and they had to leave the party because they hit the wilderness. Now, if you read into that, the guys are working that. If you read into that, we're told that for three days, they wandered in the wilderness without finding any water. Now, they would have had some stock of water with them, but the big thing is, is that if you don't drink for three days, or I don't drink, we die. Our bodies will physically die. And it's almost like the Lord allowed them go to the very edge of what they were able to do but he never brought them to a place where they would die because he's a life giver hallelujah and the lord will never let you or me go to a place that we can't handle there is always a way of escape praise god so the lord is like testing the people and so they have no ability to drink water and then finally they come to the place called Mara, which is like an oasis. And there's water there, but when they came to Mara, they couldn't drink the water because it was bitter. It was bitter. And sometimes in our lives, we come to a place where we think the Lord is answering only to find there's nothing in it. I sat with so many people and I've experienced myself. I remember people applying for jobs that they'd hoped to get. And it's almost like they were going to get the job. And then there's a huge doubt cast over the job. And so their experience starts to become bitter. Or you fall in love with her. And you think she loves you back, and then she ignores you. Oh, doesn't that hurt, lads? Because you're tough out. Okay, girls, you fall in love with him, and you think he falls in love with you, and then he ignores you. Doesn't that hurt? Ah, that's it. The girls have a bit of feeling. All the men are like macho this morning. Me hurt, I never got hurt, boy. No problem. Sometimes we get so far. I always remember when Denise and I started going out together. I know you're, you're up, you're, I'm at it again. I get cold shoulder now and hot tongue when I go home. No, I won't. <laughs> I remember when we started dating and we were dating for a bit and I loved Denise and she loved me. And then the two of us became Christians and it got even better. And then I remember always one night Denise just didn't talk to me and we used to go to meetings in a house up in the north side Jim Rice lovely Christian gone to be with the Lord and I remember after the meeting I said Denise isn't saying hello to me at all no we were dating and next thing she just walked up home she was living too far I said she walked away and she Denise you never even said goodbye to me nothing like she didn't even kiss me nothing and what did I do I walked up the road to her mother's house and I remember knocking at the door, and her mother went, Who's at the door at this hour of the night? It 
was about 11 o'clock. The meetings used to go on late back then. Um, and I couldn't get in, and I thought she was after breaking it off, and she didn't love me anymore, and I spent a fitful, restless night saying, If you're watching in Cafe Church, my wife just said, good, good, good. <laughs> See, there's still a lot of carnal flesh in the church, you know. But of course, I went up the following day, and it was actually nothing to do with Denise. It was all to do with her mother. <laughs> and we sorted it all out, and we were all in love again. But it was like, I thought she loved me, and then I thought it was all over, but then, and it was getting bitter. But this is what happened at Mara, and maybe it's happened in your life. We're told that the people began to grumble. Now remember the New Testament says, do everything without grumbling. If you're a Moni Mary, or a Moni Morris, or a, not if you're Mary or Morris, but if you're a Moni person... You really need to check your heart. Because if we grumble and moan a lot, guess what? It doesn't please the Lord. It doesn't please the Lord. Let's see a way through and have a bit of positivity in our life. Not a hyper thing, but a positive thing. So the water became bitter. But Moses cried out to the Lord, hallelujah. And then the waters became sweet. Oh, I love this verse. I love this verse. Because I'd been at Mara, and I'd been at places where it was bitter, and I tasted the water. I'm speaking figuratively. And it was so bitter. And I cried out to the Lord, and the Lord made it sweet. Hallelujah. He is the God who makes the bitter sweet for those who love. No, if he will do that for the Israelites. Number one, we're in the Old Testament. Not the season of grace that we have in the New Testament we're so fortunate to live in. Number two, they were moaning and complaining the whole time. They weren't exactly spiritual giants, were they? They were a grumbling lot, an ungrateful lot. They'd just seen miracle after miracle in Egypt a couple of weeks ago. And now they're saying, ah, I wish I was back in Egypt. What an ungrateful bunch. And yet, and yet, God's mercy... And God's kindness broke through, and he turned the bitter water sweet. Hallelujah. If you think that the God we love would do it for them, how much more will he do it for you? Honestly, I'm not hyping anything up here. I'm trying to apply the biblical principles into our lives. If God can turn bitter into sweet in their lives, he can turn bitter into sweet in your life. I remember um, 2004, my brother was really sick. He had no energy. He was getting sicker and sicker. My physical brother, Michael is his name as well. And um, uh, he started talking to some of my cousins. And it turned out anyway that some of my cousins had too much iron in their blood. It's called hemochromatosis. So he went to be tested. He proved positive. And the... The cure is to take blood from you. So every month he had to go in and they had to take a pint of blood from him to reduce his iron. And then they said, if you have it, there's a high chance your family have it. So all of us had to go to be tested. And I went to be tested like the rest of my family. And the results came back positive. I had this as well. 
and the doctor, the GP was saying, look, you need to be prepared. You may have to go to hospital every month, get blood taken constantly, because this could kill you. It would destroy your liver. And I remember thinking at the time, oh my goodness, I know it's not a death threat right now, but I don't want this, Lord. What's going on? But anyway, I went and the doctor said, you really need to see a consultant. So I made the appointment with the consultant. And honestly, I had a bitter taste in my mouth with this health condition. And I saw my brother, now the taking the blood was helping him. They call it, by the way, the Irish disease, something to do with the Irish famine. Uh, we've got too much iron in our blood, a lot of us. But I went to the consultant, and then the consultant said, you do have it, but strangely, you're actually on the top end of normal. And because you have this, but you've never gone over, I don't foresee any difficulties. In fact, the condition that you have may be helping you. She said, do you have a lot of energy? I said, yeah, I have loads of energy. And she said, that's why you have energy. This condition is giving you loads of energy. You have so much iron in your blood, you have a load of energy. But it hasn't ever gone past the point where you need medication. So actually, you're in a blessed place. So that which was Bitter became sweet. And that was 14 years ago when I spoke to the consultant. And hallelujah, I still have loads of energy. Amen. Hallelujah. Sometimes what's bitter can turn out to be sweet. In a few moments, at the end of the message, we're going to pray. If you've got a bitter water situation, let's pray God turns it sweet. Even if it's physical or it's relational, let's pray that God turns your bitter waters sweet. Hallelujah. Look at what the Lord said there. Follow me, I am the Lord who heals you. And we know that Jesus Christ, when he enraged the Pharisees, he said, before Abraham was even born, I am. It's very interesting, because the Pharisees go, well, you're not quite 50 yet. And you're claiming you're that old? Now, Jesus was only early 30s. But obviously, he looked a lot older. He probably looked late 40s, you know. Uh, just, just to remind ourselves that the scripture, this is a side point, says, he had no beauty that we should desire him. If you're obsessed with your face, don't waste your time too much. Don't waste your time. Be obsessed with your soul. Your soul will live forever, but your face, is, as I said last week, it's going to go south. South of the border down Mexico way. All the faces go south sooner or later, except mine. Hallelujah. But he said, this is the Lord speaking, follow me, I am the Lord who heals you. And it's a, it's a prophetic statement, it's a symbol, it's an echo from the Old Testament into the New Testament. And so remember, the Egyptians had gotten all plagues, but the Lord says here, I will heal you. But there's a condition, if you follow me. And this is what the Lord is saying. And so the Lord is looking after his people. And then we're told they traveled on from Marah and they came to a place called Elam and it had 12 water springs and 70 trees. So they had a great victory leaving Egypt. They had a difficult wilderness. They started to grumble. The Lord turned the bitter waters sweet. They had a blessing and then they traveled on a little bit 
And they have another blessing. We had a blessing before the blessing. We had a miracle before a beautiful blessing from the Lord. Because they came to this place. And it tells us there was 12 water springs and 70 trees. Are you up for a bit of teaching? So I'm just going to take a few minutes. Now, I know it's a bit nerdy and a bit anorak, but I'm unrepentant. It's God's word. Why were there 12 water springs mentioned? Remember when you read or listen to the Bible, it's a spiritual book. Amen? It's not like a novel. So everything is there for a reason. And the numbers are there to feed and nourish your soul and my soul. So it's no coincidence that in this place there were 12 water springs and 70 trees. This, what was known in the Bible as the Elam Oasis, is now known as Ayumusa. It's in the Sinai Peninsula. You can go there today if you wish. And it still operates there. And what's fantastic is that the water went to this place silently and underground because it was an aquifer or an aqueduct, an aquifer. So it's underground water, it can travel hundreds of miles and then it emerges at an oasis. And so here we have the silent water deep underground, but it's coming and it's coming and it's going to bring life. That's how God operates in your life. Sometimes it's silent. You don't really hear or see what's going on. That's why we have to have blind faith. We think we control things. We think if we don't see it, it's not happening. Oh, yes, it is. But it might be way underground. It might be like the aquifers feeding the oasis in Elam. And we're told 12 water springs. Well, 12 has a significance and 70 has a significance. It wasn't just one well that was there. This is called biblical numerology. And 12 is important because 12 is the number of completeness. There were 12 spies sent in to spy out the promised land. 12 tribes of Israel. 12 apostles. And when Judas betrayed Jesus, Matthias was brought in. Jesus, aged 12, it is the first time we read that he spoke publicly. It's his first recorded words. This means it's complete. And then 70 is perfect completeness. 7 multiplied by 10. 70 is the number of a full generation. Remember the Israelites had to stay in Babylon for 70 years until the time had fully come. Um, a king's reign was 70 years. That was regarded as a full and a complete reign. In Babel, when languages were introduced, there were 70 languages, root languages, or nations emerged out of there. Jesus shared 70 parables in his lifetime, and on and on it goes. So when they came to Elam, and they had all of this going on, not only was it complete, but it was perfectly complete. So on their journey... And in the wilderness, God provided perfect completeness for their souls. Hallelujah. So when you and I are on our journey, and we can't really see straight because things aren't going right, and maybe you're fighting with someone, maybe you've an issue paying the bills, or maybe you're sick, or something isn't working out in your life, and you're struggling with something. It might be big, it might be small. Maybe it's someone you love. Just remember... He is the God who turns the bitter water sweet. 
And he is the God who silently and from a far distance, deep underground, will come and supply you all that you need in a place called Elam. You know, there's a big church movement called the Elam Pentecostal Church. And uh, it's very big in the UK, in the north of Ireland. There's a few churches in the Republic here as well. But it was founded in 1914 in Monaghan, in the Republic of Ireland. Very interesting. Um, and they chose as their name the word Elam. Elam, one of its many names of what it means is the trees of God. In other words, that God caused these trees to grow in this place so that you would have shelter and that you would be nourished. Hallelujah. And this is what we read about Elam. And look what it says. So they camped and rested there by the water and they were refreshed. With all my heart, I believe the Christian church in many ways should be like Elam. It's not that we're perfect, far from it. We're broken people, all of us, but the God we love is perfect. Amen. And it should be a place where we are nourished and watered and a place where we have shelter. And it's a place where we know that we're following the God who can heal us. And it's a place where we can pray and say, Lord, would you turn my bitter waters sweet? Marrow was the blessing before the blessing. Honestly, when I read the Old Testament and I read the New Testament, I see that God tries to break in to bless people and to heal them and to encourage them. It doesn't mean there aren't times of correction and judgment. There are. But God's tendency, rather than a law, is that this is what he really wants to do. But it always is conditional. Will we follow him? Will we love him? You see, the Lord provided Mara. He gave them water there because he is Jehovah Jireh. He is the God who provides all our needs. So the Israelites who had the unbelief, yet God blessed them in this way. And so, brothers and sisters, I'm asking this morning, are you struggling with a mirage or are you struggling with a big, huge sand dune and you can't see what's beyond it? You've been in the job and you're praying, oh God, would you give me a better job? Would you find me a house or an apartment? Could I find someone who would love me? Would you raise up a friend who would get me and we could hang out together? I don't know what it is. Could you... Do something with my kids. You know your prayers. But sometimes we're seeing mirages. And I deal with it all the time as a pastor. People say, I, I, I think the Lord might do this. And then it doesn't happen. It was like a spiritual mirage. It's like we thought it would and it wouldn't. Or we can't see what's coming up. But I wouldn't, I'm here today and I feel the Lord is saying to me, you need to open your eyes and you need to close your eyes. Open your eyes and see that Jesus is in control. Would anyone say amen? We're not in control. He's in control. And close your eyes and have some blind faith. Trust God. We'd say, that's not very deep, Tom. It's the deepest it gets. If you learn that rhythm in your life, that through the wilderness... You're okay. You're trusting God. He'll look after you. I was driving through a roundabout on my way to church this morning, and there was people who had come off the ferry in Rosslare from uh, France. It was a French-registered uh, car, and they didn't know where they were going, and they kept going round the roundabout, trying to find which way. It said the sat-nav was gone crazy or something. But as I drove past, I felt sorry for them, um, but I didn't do it in practical. <laughs> 
well, they just kept going around. I'd have had to get out of the car and stop and do that in the middle of the roundabout. But I felt the Holy Spirit say, there are some people here today and you're just going round and round that roundabout. And the Lord wants to put his hand in and say, stop, that's enough. Let me take you off that and come on the journey you were meant to come on and travel the road where I'll turn your bitter waters sweet and I will provide the perfect completeness of nourishment and shelter so that you will be not only rested, but refreshed. Come Holy Spirit. Could the worship team come up? Just one or two prophetic words I have as well. The woman at the well said, sir, give me this water, she said to Jesus, so I won't be thirsty again. Someone here needs to drink for the first time, and the Lord is the one who will give you that drink. You've never called on him before, and today is the day of salvation for you. Hallelujah. Call on the Lord today. And one other prophetic verse, we're told that the Ethiopian and Philip, who was one of the early church leaders, were traveling in Gaza, so it's a desert again. And he was talking, and they were talking about Isaiah. And they came as they were passing on the road, and they saw water in the desert. And the Ethiopian said, here is water. Why shouldn't I be baptized? I believe the Lord is saying, it's not baptism, but you're on the journey and water is about to appear very, very soon. And nourishment of refreshing is about to appear to you. But you need to have someone who is older in the faith by your side. This is speaking specifically to someone. Your heart is right. That Ethiopian guy had a great heart. But he needed Philip next to him just to guide him just to encourage him for that brief season. And so someone here needs to have an older believer, older in the faith, not necessarily older in years, but someone who's more mature. Could we stand? We're going to sing that beautiful song. We sang it a little earlier on. You never let go. Let's start with the verses. You can throw it up, uh, Josiah, the words. So we're going to pray in just a moment. Honestly, if you've got a bitterness for your life or someone you love, don't go out the door and be too proud or too shy to pray for it. Own the prayer. This is what church is for. It's one of the places we bring our requests before the Lord. Let's sing it, then we'll pray. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, your perfect love is casting out fear. Even when I'm cold in the middle of the storms of this life, I won't turn back, I know you are near, and I will fear no evil, for my God is with me, if my God is Then shall I fear? Oh no, never let go through the calm and through the storm. Oh no, you never let go. Every high and every low. Oh no, you never let go. Lord, you never let go. And He won't let go of you, and He won't let go of me. Praise God.
If you have never tasted of Jesus in this way, today is your chance and your opportunity. Could we all close our eyes on stage and off stage? Let's just give a bit of privacy because this is your journey. And if you've never tasted Jesus in this way, God ask you in total privacy, slip up your hand and then take your hand down again. Okay, I see your hand, I see your hand, I see yours, I see yours, I see yours. Okay, okay, I think we have six people. I'm just going to pray for you, just in privacy, before we do a public prayer for the other prayer request. I pray in the name of Jesus that even before tonight is out, you would drink deeply of Jesus our Savior. I pray that your first taste of Jesus would be impactful and I ask now that you would have Jesus as your Savior, your Lord and your friend. May he be your leader in the good place and in the difficult place. I pray now that you would ask Jesus to forgive you your sin, that you would turn from all ways that are not his and that you would know God's full and perfect refreshment as someone who's calling on him for the first time today. I pray this in Jesus' name and all God's people said, Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise you, Jesus. Let's pray that he turns the bitter water sweet. Mightn't even be for you. Might be for someone you're really standing in the gap for. But this is on my heart. So let's go around it. We sense the Holy Spirit saying, if you've got a bitterness that you want to see turn sweet, would you lift up your hand? Because we're going to pray for you today. You are someone you love. In your hand is that situation as you lift it up. It's the person, it's the job, it's the health issue, it's the house, it's the relationship. I don't know it, but the Lord knows it. I'm going to ask you to be faithful with this and to come to the top and just leave it as it were at the altar. We don't have a physical altar, we have a symbolic one. Would you join us at the top? Guys, would you just sing the chorus as we ask people to come forward for prayer? Oh no, never let go through the calm, through the storm. Oh no, never let go every high and every low. Let's gather him. Could you move forward a little just to let those at the back come closer? Thank you, guys. So I can remember, you might say my uh, diagnosis physically wasn't that big a deal. It could have killed me, but if I had just gone to the hospital every month and got blood taken, I'd have survived. You might say, that's not a huge thing. What I'm facing is way bigger. I fully accept that, but for me, that Sunday morning I was in church, I really had a bitter taste and I couldn't understand what was going on and I had to bring it to the Lord and the Lord turned the bitter water sweet for me, hallelujah. So whatever your bitterness is, or the bitterness of the one you love, will you just put it in the palm of your hand and lift up your hands to the Lord. As we lift up our hands, Jesus, we're handing it over to you. We'll say amen. We leave it at the altar. We leave it at the foot of the cross. We say, Jesus, 
you turned the waters sweet from bitterness at Mara, would you turn my waters sweet? Who'll say amen? Would you turn the person I love, their waters sweet? Amen. Father, who else will we go to but you? You are our God. You are the one who's changed us so far. And now we're calling out on you. Turn the bitter waters sweet that we might drink. And bring us, oh God, to the place called Elam where we will be not only rested, but we will be refreshed in the name of Jesus. And we ask you now, oh God, that as we bring this to you, something would happen in the spiritual realm that begins to change all of the actors playing in this scenario all of the decision makers every cell in our bodies something would happen you are the God who sent the water from a very deep place silently from a distance so send that into our lives we ask you Jesus help us to drink deeply and to be refreshed because without your touch and your help what hope do any of us have I'm going to ask you just as you lift up your hands high one more time I'm just going to ask that each of you I'm just going to give 10 seconds just pray silently now say it in your heart tell Jesus what's going on the Bible says we have not because we ask not so tell the Lord now what's going on. And he's hearing you now. He's hearing you now. He's hearing you now. The Lord would say to you, sister, Lydia, God is doing battle for you right now. The Lord is fighting in the spiritual realm for your safety and the safety of your children. Even though some have risen up to attack you and to destroy you, the Lord your God would say, I will not allow this happen. So have faith, have blind faith. You can't see your future. But the God you love sees your future, and I will not let you or your loved ones be harmed. If anyone touches you, they touch the apple of my eye. So the Lord your God is your defense, Lydia. The Lord your God is protecting you by day and by night in the city and in the country. So don't be anxious, but have a calm and a peace that passes all understanding, because the living God going before you. Feel his security today in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Is it patience? Patience, can I pray for you? I just feel the Holy Spirit would just speak now and touch you. And the road ahead for you initially is difficult. And you will struggle to see how is God answering your prayers. And you will come to the well that seems bitter. And there will be a dark night of the soul ahead of you where you will even wonder, is God listening? Will he ever answer? 
And like the psalmist in Psalm 13, you will cry out, How long, O Lord, will you forget me? But I will not forget you, says the Lord, for I am doing miracles unseen to you right now. I will change hearts and I will move mountains in your life and I will open a door that no man or no woman can close. So have blind faith at this time, says the Lord. Trust and obey the God who is your deliverer and you will rejoice in the days to come. I am the one who turns weeping into dancing. Have hope the Lord your God will rescue you yet. And this is the word of the Lord in your life. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise God, amen. Just one last word I have, and that's some of us here are bitter water is a physical issue with our own bodies so this isn't relational or economic or whatever and it's not for someone else it's just for yourself i'm stirred by the holy spirit before we close just to pray for you so if that's not your issue could you go back to your seat but if you wouldn't mind remain standing for the remaining minutes just before the lord if you're here and your issue is a, a physical issue let's just stand in the house of god could you move forward in the center guys just want to pray that the Holy Spirit would touch you and anoint you. If it's okay with you, I'm going to just touch you with oil in a moment as the service ends. So if you don't mind staying here, um, that would be great. But could you lift up your hands right now? We have broken bodies, broken minds, sometimes broken hearts. But right now, Lord, we're not afraid and we're not ashamed to say that there's something going on that we're disturbed by Lord so with all our hearts with all our souls we cry out healing in the name of Jesus can you say amen you are the God who works miracles would you work a miracle in my body right now come Holy Spirit come Holy Spirit and bring that healing touch who else can we turn to? Thank you for the doctors. But we know you are the great physician. So if you are the God who heals us, we follow you this day, Lord. And we pray you would turn that bitter water sweet in our own bodies. Come, Holy Spirit. Would anyone say amen? I'm going to ask Ben and the guys to sing the song that we've begun. I'm just going to touch everyone with some oil just for one second and then you can go to your seat and then we'll close the meeting. Please down there, don't switch off or go to sleep. These people are crying out to God. Have a heart for them. Would you pray for the next two minutes as they're being prayed for here and then we'll close the gathering. I can see a light that is coming for the heart that holds on. There will be an end to the troubles until that day comes. Still I will praise you. Still I will praise you. Yes, I can see a light. Yes, I can see a light that is coming for the heart that holds on. There will be an end. Troubles until that day comes. 
from attack from lies keep us safe from ourselves from the devil and from the world we want to bless you in our lives and we commit ourselves to you now and everyone we love extend your grace over them also in Jesus name and for the final time God's people said thank every one of you for coming and joining us Honestly, we're blessed to have you here. The guys are going to play us out. We've coffee and tea in the atrium. That's where we hang out right now. If you can come and spend a few minutes, love to see you up there. If you have to go, God bless you. Hope to see you Tuesday or Sunday. Over to the guys. Oh.